welcome back to Ghostbusters Minute. Ghostbusters Minute is the fan podcast that chronicles and overanalyzes the classic 1984 film Ghostbusters Minute by Minute. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And today we're here to bring you Minute number 72 of Ghostbusters. Brady, how are you doing this morning? Doing good. How about you? I'm doing pretty fantastic. I have my coffee here beside me, as you can see me holding up. It's, it's a glass of whiskey. Uh, because, yeah. yeah. <laughs> uh, I need that to to drown my sorrows because we are coming to the end of Ghostbusters. Not that much longer. Minute number Not 72. Not that much longer. It's a little ways, but, but you know, we're coming up in the end. The end is in sight. Yeah, and that uh, is a saddening thought. But, of course, it's not completely without some little bit of silver lining around that gray cloud because we do have another podcast, Jurassic Park Minute. That is true. Which, uh, if you're just tuning in for your first episode of Ghostbusters Minute, you probably haven't heard about Jurassic Park Minute. If you're a returning listener, first of all, welcome back. Secondly, we apologize for talking about Jurassic Park Minute all the time. But we're really excited. But we're really excited. We think it's pretty cool. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, We're going to do some different things on it. But, uh, you know, I think that if you like, if we like what we've done here with Ghostbusters Minute, you like other movies by Minute podcasts, then Jurassic Park Minute is probably one that you're going to enjoy as well. So, yeah, Minute number 72. Is that what we're doing today? Yeah. Yeah, I'm sorry. Too much of this AM whiskey going on. Uh, This is a pretty cool minute. I really like this one. Uh, it's got a lot going on as far as like the lore of Ghostbusters, which I've said before is probably my, besides them putting the business together in that comedic aspect, I think the lore and the mythology behind Ghostbusters is the thing I find the most interesting in it. And there's a big info dump here. Yeah. Very. Big info dump. So if you're ready, we can go ahead and get into it. Let's do it. Now in the previous minute, Ray was explaining to Venkman about the structural particulars of 55 Central Park West and Dana's risk living in that building. At minute number 72, Egon states that something terrible is about to enter their world and that Dana's apartment building is the door. Egon goes on to state that the architect's name was Evo Shandor. He was also a doctor who performed a lot of unnecessary surgeries. Egon tells the room that in 1920, Shandor started a secret society. Venkman guesses correctly that it was a club for Gozer worshippers. Egon confirms. Venkman looks at Ray and says, See? No studying. <laughs> At 72.23, Egon continues by saying that after the First World War, Evo Shandor decided that society was too sick to survive and recruited over 1,000 followers into the cult of Gozer. They performed bizarre rituals atop 55 Central Park West intended to bring about the end of the world, and that it appears that those rituals may be bringing the world to an end in present day. At 72.46, Venkman bursts out into song and his own version of Santa Claus is coming to town by singing, You better be good, for goodness sakes, oh. As Venkman walks around the cell and sings to the other inmates, Ray tells Egon that they have to get out of jail and see if they can find a judge. At 72.55, Winston steps in and asks if they are actually intending to go in front of a federal judge and tell him that a Babylonian god intends to tear up Central Park West. And thus ends minute number 72. So, again, we have a little bit more of an info dump here. We get information on the prime architect behind this whole situation, Evo Shandor. I believe this is the first mention of Shandor in the movie at all. I believe so. I think so, yeah. yeah. And, the, you know, the Shandor mythology has gone on to be explored in the Ghostbusters video game, which I thought did a great job mm-hmm. of presenting him as the main antagonist behind the whole Ghostbusters series and, the, you know, the big architect of everything going on. But also tie him into Ghostbusters 2 and say that the cult of Gozer was the one, were the ones that actually invented the pink slime that's used to amplify people's emotions and use that as kind of a conduit to bring ghosts into the world. Yeah. Uh, I think they got it from a slore that they summoned into into the into the corporeal form in our world. Something I want to give to Ghostbusters too is the fact that it pull it's it, it exists. It's the same story. Mm-hmm. It's the next chapter of the same story. Whereas a lot of sequels won't really make mention of the previous uh, right. installment, and Ghostbusters two is straight up just a continuation. Like you can cut the end credits out of Ghostbusters one, and it moves uh, fluidly. Yeah. Um, well, some stuff happens in between the two, but yeah, the characters yeah. are back, and it's it is a continuation instead of a, a retelling. Well, in a way, mm-hmm. it is it follows the same structure as the first movie, but it doesn't. Um, 
Which, if I may say, I don't hold that against it at all. No, no. I mean, no. you know, the first movie was such a success that I'm sure the studio came in. Columbia said, hey, don't really take any chances here. Don't do anything crazy with the movie. You know, just yeah. come in and, and make something. And, you know, they tried to do as good of a job as they can by introducing Vigo. And, you know, I think... The, it's probably the movie any of us would have made if we were given the mm. same structure to work in that they did. That's a good point. All yeah. right, so, we'll, we'll get back to Ghostbusters 2 uh, in a future episode later yeah. on. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so, in the January twentieth, nineteen eighty three version of the screenplay for Ghostbusters, Evo Shandor is the name of the interdimensional being who employs the Ghostbusters. So he is their um, oh uh, Zordon to the Power Rangers, <laughs> and so he kind of like is the employer that uh, that uses them to go bust ghosts in alternate dimensions in that uh, first original draft of Ghost Smashers, which uh, Dan Aykroyd was working on. So, And in the August 15th, 1983 version, excuse me, August 5th, 1983 version of the script for Ghostbusters, 55 Central Park West was the only building that Shandor built in New York City, and Shandor lived in Dana Barrett's penthouse suite. In the same version of the script, Egon, in the prison cell scene, tells everyone how Shandor was a deranged surgeon and architect and also a Gozer, Gozer worshiper who, ex, who was executed by an electrician at Sing Sing Prison on October 28, 1929. After being arrested in May 1928 uh, for an attempted abduction of a teenage girl, led police to his penthouse apartment, which was furnished, furnished impeccably, if not tastefully, with stacks of human bones. So in that version of the screenplay, Evo Shandor had been murdering people and building a bone apartment Jeez. there. So, But... um. The interesting part about that is that Evo Shandor had the corner penthouse. Do you see where I'm going with that? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Dana Bear's apartment. That was Evo Shandor's apartment. So huh. that is why it's the focusing point of all the spiritual energy in the screenplay was that was originally where Evo Shandor would lead the cult of Gozer through. He'd, you know, to, his, to the he'd, staircase. He'd, he'd push in the refrigerator and it'd go back and then they walk up the staircase up to the, it, up to the, the top. The movie doesn't need that, but it could have benefited from that because I've always wondered, why Dana? Why the corner penthouse? Why yeah. is it kind of focused in, um, you know, and obviously there's, okay, so there was something significant about this uh, apartment unit because the refrigerator is right. there. Unless yeah. that's in multiple units and it just so happens this is the one that they're going to, you know, well, go through. Like, that, that's a good question because remember I said earlier in the scene where the terror dogs break out of the concrete sarcophagi mm-hmm. yep. that they are in, there you can see there's like uh, uh, evidence of people live like going up to the, to the, to the top of the building before. And you would have to maintenance. People would have to go up there to change out light bulbs and things like that. I'm sure they have to have one of those radio antennas on top that, you know, alerts planes not to fly into the building. Uh, but it's, so there has to be other access points to the top of the building, but whatever staircase would bring you particularly right up to the, to the cult of Gozer or was a back way for Evo Shandor to get in was built behind the refrigerator. So it makes sense that yeah. that was the penthouse that he had. So I wish that that element was kind of thrown in because it would make sense too. If he was murdering people in the apartment, then maybe it's a focusing point for spiritual energy. Maybe it's that, that point of the universe is tainted, you know, with like fear and hate and stuff like that. That would make sense. It's interesting that they, why, why they took that out. Yeah. That's, yeah. that's like in um, Raiders of the Lost Ark. There was a little moment cut out where the old man who's telling them like, what the significance of the uh, medallion is. Like, you have to flip it over to see that you have to take back the, you know. And um, there was a little moment where he says, be warned, if you look inside the ark, you're going to die. And that's why Indy says, Marion, don't open your eyes. And that's how they survive. He got that knowledge, right. Yeah, so I'm, I've always been like, why would they take that out? It explains how they live at the end. But then at the same time, that's almost like saying, y'all are, our heroes are going to live at the end of the movie. You know, and sometimes it also, you just have to remove it for the pacing. If mm-hmm. you, and you know, this is a big info dump scene. This entire minute, as you just heard me like read through, it's a lot of just Egon. It's a lot, a lot of him just talking. Yeah. You know, and it, it's sometimes that action, even if it's important stuff to the story that could help and, you know, make logical sense, 
people will, you know, lose, will, will stop paying attention. Yeah. And nowadays you risk them actually pulling a phone out of their pocket and looking at yeah. you. Yeah. And it's, um, what really sucks is that uh, the risk that you really run is that if you have a little bit of information in there, that might be what the audience hangs on to. And then they miss the significance of something else that you're talking about. Right. And they say like, oh, okay, well, uh, this is the part where the old man mentions that you're not supposed to look in the arc. And that's what I'm supposed to hang on to from this scene. And then you miss all the other information that's more important. So yeah. Uh, yeah, that might explain why they there, There's an old uh, thing in screenplays. Uh, when you're writing a screenplay or making movies, it's show, don't tell. And there's a lot of telling here. Egon drops a lot of stuff. And you kind of get a full picture of Evo Shandor as a character, even though you've never seen a movie. He's just been introduced mm-hmm. to you. He's a guy who Ray uh, says that is either a certified genius or a complete wacko, right? He is a guy who probably had good intentions, Uh or at some point was driven astray because after World War One he said, "Okay, humanity's too much because of the horrors of World War One." Do you know much about the First World War? I mean, yeah, but I, I don't know quite how it ties in here. Well, as Americans, I don't think we really have the full—I don't want to say appreciation—but uh, you know, our big war that we were heavily involved in was World War Two, and we know, you know, the World War Two is you know being like a very hellacious war. World War One was much worse. It was trench warfare. Uh, it was a lot of like massive casualties. It's there's a video video game actually coming out very soon called Battlefield One, and Battlefield the Battlefield series the they did like Battlefront, which is the Star Wars game, you know, where a bunch of people get together and one side is rebels, one side is uh, one side is rebels, one side is stormtroopers. Uh, in the Battlefield games, you refight you fight through different uh, wars in history, so Vietnam, World War Two. This is the first video game that takes place in World War One, partially because. It's been taboo overseas to talk about it because it still weighs very heavily on the people of England and Germany and France and places like that because of the trench warfare and how horrible it was. So it makes sense that Evo Shandor, after seeing the absolute atrocities, maybe even fighting in World War I, would come to the realization that, hey, we're going to do this to each other. It's a cycle that never ends. And I think, you know, having the benefit of time after World War I, we can look back at the last, you know, recent human history and say, we're really not doing a whole lot better. The casualty numbers might have dropped down, but, you know... People still treat other people very badly. Interesting. Um, Evo Shandor. What is that name? Is that? That's um, obviously it sounds foreign. Uh, yeah, it's 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 made up. Is it made up? Yeah, There's okay. one version of I think I don't know if it's the role playing game or something, but Shandor is spelled C H A N D O R, and on all the versions of the screenplay, it's S H A N D O R. But it's not. It does sound like exotic, someone exotic yeah, yeah. to to people who live in the United States. I could see a guy named Evo Shandor coming out of the Caucasus Mountains or something mm-hmm. like that, you know, or like Transylvania or, you know. Which, you know, again, adds to the scope of yeah. everything that you're being... Yeah, 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 yeah. It, no, it's, it's fantastic world building. I agree completely. And, uh, you know, I love the idea of him being, you know, a certified genius who was, who followed a philosophy that was wrong, you know, and decided, hey, we have to, you know, we have to end humanity. Well, I'm, you know... He's he's a surgeon, right? He's an architect. To get degrees in both of those, to be good at those things, is it takes a yeah. person of a, a singular, particular intelligence. So and pretty good at, at his architectural skills. Yeah, and then also being able to contact beings on the other side of the, you know, through other dimensions. The guy yeah. is pr- pretty smart. So it's interesting too that, you know, we don't really get a real idea of what started the events of the ghost invasion of New York City and Ghostbusters. It just kind of starts, you know. Yeah. But it's funny that Evo Shandor and his cult of Gozer worshippers were doing these strange, bizarre rituals on top of 55 Central Park West to bring this into the world about, but it didn't happen until like 40 years after yeah. they were doing it, or like 50 years after they were doing it. So it could have been a long-term, like, what they did, amplified through the building, contacted a being in another dimension that it took them a long time to get yeah. to our universe. That's so. the only thing that would make sense. I saw... And- 
Go ahead. Um, yeah, it's maybe it's some sort of time difference. For Gozer, it just happened a second ago. But for us, it took mm-hmm. 50 years, you know, because I guess time wouldn't really work in that way. I just saw Blair Witch the other day. The oh, yeah. Blair Witch Project uh, sequel mm-hmm. remake type thing that came out. And at the very end of the movie... Uh, there's a scene where, and I think you see it in the trailer, so don't feel like I'm spoiling anything here, yeah. where um, people are looking through, uh, they're running through a house, and you see like light come through the house, and it looks like, almost like a spaceship is flying outside the window. And when I was watching, I was like, oh, oh, that's that's daylight. Like, the day is passing by at a different time here. And part of the Blair Witch uh, huh. f- uh, mythology is that when you're in the woods there, time passes by differently. So it, it's... It's a supernatural sci-fi type thing, but it's 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 something you could understand that that maybe Go- Gozer is just now hearing of the rituals that are happening in our universe uh, from her own. So, anyway, just well, thought that was kind of weird. So here at the very end, we see Winston step in again and say, "You know, are we actually going to go in front of a federal judge and tell him that some Babylonian god's about to come and start tearing up Central Park West uh, again?" Like we talked about in a couple of minutes ago, he's kind of distancing himself from everything. He yeah. can't believe what's going on. He starts to, you know, think <laughs> I gotta about get my own lawyer. Yeah, I got to get my own lawyer. Uh, I, I got to distance myself from these guys because they're about to go down. You know, walk in front of a judge and tell him something crazy. I think in his position, seeing the things he's probably just seen over the past couple of weeks, you know, shit that would turn you white, as he says himself, mm-hmm. you'd probably be a little bit more open to believing that this stuff could actually happen. It's plausible if you've been busting ghosts that maybe there's interdimensional gods that are going to try to come in and, you know, and hurt us and cause us harm. So I don't know where his motivation is to really distance himself here other than just kind of self-preservation. And yeah, where that snaps into effect and to where his turn is between yeah. here and then when they're in the mayor's office and he's like, since I've joined these men, I've seen that all of this is real. Right. Uh, As we go through the next few minutes, few minutes, that's actually probably something we could really keep yeah, an eye out for see, is where, yeah. where does Winston make his turn here? Yeah, it's... it's um, I don't know. It's strange. We covered it yesterday, but like, why put such significance on all this stuff if you're not going to show what makes him change his mind? Yeah. But again, we'll probably figure it out uh, sometime this week. As we go on. Yeah, hopefully so. So you got anything else for this minute? All right. Well, that kind of wraps it up. So uh, yeah, stay tuned. Uh, Maybe we'll have special guests this week. Maybe not. We're still trying to work some things out with somebody else. Uh, We'd love for it to happen. If it doesn't, that's okay. But uh, I don't want to mention anything yet just in case it doesn't come through because maybe this person could come on in a future episode. But uh, all right, folks. Well, thank you so much again for joining us. I'm Kyle. I'm Brady. And we're here to remind you that death is but a door, time a window. We'll be back. Ghostbusters Minute is a fan-supported podcast. To become a patron of Ghostbusters Minute and gain access to exclusive weekly bonus content, visit us at patreon.com slash gbminute. If you like the podcast, then leave us a review on iTunes. You can contact us at ghostbustersminute at gmail.com and visit us online at ghostbustersminute.com, facebook.com slash ghostbustersminute, twitter.com slash gbminute, and look us up on Instagram at ghostbustersminute. Our theme song is Ectoplasm by Audionautics, which is licensed under the Creative Commons Attributions License.